You're listening to the Breakfasters podcast for the week December 5 to December 9. Uh, highlights this week, I had a little chat about Christmas and the spirit of giving. And <laughs> so uh, from, Hot Brown Honey, uh, sorry, from Hot Brown Honey, we got to chat to Offer Fatu about their show. And then Amy Mullins came in to talk about a new report about women in media, which was really interesting. And then we talked about Air Force One and all the things it could do and the kind of planes that we wanted for ourselves. <laughs> Realistic visions <laughs> of our future. This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. We're going to talk about... Christmas a little bit. Uh, I just want to talk briefly about gift giving. Uh, in yeah. our, <laughs> thank you. Have you got <laughs> a gift everybody. for us? Later, it oh. all come maybe. Really? Yeah, sure. Really? Well, I hadn't thought about it, but <laughs> okay, then right. when you put me on the spot, <laughs> I went hardly, with. I hardly say no. <laughs> yeah, I went with yes. It's always yes. It's my improv training. Yes and. <laughs> Yes, and so in our household, though, like because I um, grew up, I have four sisters and a brother, so later on we ended up doing Kris Kringles. Just too Practical, hard otherwise. Yes. I really like that, and I feel like our family should adopt it if you're listening, brothers and sisters. Do you know what? I I put a stop to it a few oh, years really? ago. Oh, really? To Kris yeah. Kringle? Yeah. Why? Because it, when I was – there was a very long period in my life where I was single and had nobody else, so it meant that I would get one present for Christmas. And quite often because our family were a bit a bit crap at getting our stuff together, quite often that would mean I would not get anything on Christmas. Ah. Because people – because, you know, we'd never – it was very rare that we're – because we're all spread across the country. Yeah. So it was very rare that we'd all be together. Mm. And so it would be – I'd be waiting for a package from Perth to come over. Oh, that's and a bit depressing. Never, it it is the saddest <laughs> thing oh. to be to waiting for the postage. Yeah. One day it'll come. Yeah. <laughs> not today. The saddest thing on Christmas morning being surrounded by family. And this is this family that are all uh, like in relationships that had partners and were married and had kids. So they've had their own Christmas. So they've got their own Christmas. Thing, yeah. They've got Christ- presents coming from elsewhere. And you're just there with your And I'm milk. just sitting there going and watching everybody else I open like up this presents. This is the beginning of like a sad Disney I know. Christmas it is, special. It is the Christmas that didn't. Yeah. <laughs> It is the saddest thing. And then drunk, drunk Auntie Jezza. <laughs> but then <laughs> the story behind Christmas is sad as Grinch. And then I I pointed this out to Mum once and so she tried to make it a bit better by one one Christmas giving me a um <clears throat> a family size pack of um uh Alan's party lollies, party mix lollies. Oh, that is more, is anything so more have, depressing than that? So I'd have something to open on Christmas Day. Go to sit alone on your couch on and get a family bag of it lollies. Is, it was just... <laughs> I'll be alone forever. Yeah. She should have given you a cask but of water. She, you know, <laughs> but it's like a, a family-sized pack. So I have to I'm go, oh, would anyone like a lolly? Would any, and I have to share my gift with everybody, but that's fine. That's sad. Anyway, the good thing to come out of it, though, is one year I had my dad, I picked, so I had to buy a present for him, and I I got him a digital camera and 
Jeez, that's how, what, what is your price limit on your Kris Kringle? Oh, I just got him like a. It was like a hundred bucks. Okay, still, still, that's, it's a, bit that's more, a good. bit more than a family pack of lollies, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. that's my point. <laughs> so, Mum just got me that because to tide me over until my package from Perth would arrive. So, uh-huh. so that's that uh-huh. explains that. Sorry, um, but so one year I yeah I got Dad a digital camera, and yes, it was. It still to this day is the best gift that anyone in our family has ever <laughs> received because Dad was beside himself. I had no idea how much he would enjoy this digital oh, camera. Oh, like that I hurts my heart. I didn't realise. <laughs> like I just thought, oh, digital, that's pretty cool. I'll get him that. And he was just besotted for the rest of the day, just going, oh, my good, how did you, oh, this is so great. Oh. And then he told me that I was number one because you have gone straight to the top of the ladder. <laughs> Where were you before? Well, always below my brother, always below my brother. So no one's been able to beat you out of that yet. No, that is awesome. Still at, at number one, still. But puts we don't a bit do of pressure the pressure on for subsequent years, doesn't it? If yeah, it does. No current. one, no one's peaked, and that, and we don't do it anymore. I just went, I went no, because I, I complained to Mum. I said no more. This is when I was single. I said like, I can't do it. I can't be sitting around watching everyone open up their presents. Everyone else has got presents coming from there and here, and I've got oh, I've got nothing, and it's depressing, and I don't want to do it anymore. So but you, now yeah. I have Christmas um, uh, with Kath, and her the complete opposite in their family. Oh, really? It is presents galore. <laughs> <laughs> like it is. Yes. It's so like last Christmas, I woke up. And they still do like the Santa sack at the oh end my of the God. bed. Like I've never had oh that. My God. Santa sack at the end of the bed. I love Santa sacks. Like, there was just a pillowcase. Oh my God! And Full it just had presents. it just had stuff in it, and I just went. Get I out. opened it up and was <laughs> like. Oh, my God, this is the best Christmas ever. <laughs> it is like a Disney movie. Because it was like <laughs> the best Christmas ever. Drunk but it was Auntie Jess no more. Amazing because and it was that's just... that's how Geraldine learned the spirit of Christmas. Christmas. I did, from gifts. And it was just filled. But here's the thing, like, it was filled with so much. I'm like, this is all great. Like, it's all, like, just, I love crap. I just loved it. Like, lots of little knickknacks and, and books and stuff. I'm like... Oh man, this is the best Christmas ever! And the Catholic goes, "This is just the beginning." I'm like, "What do you mean? It's just the beginning." So she goes, "No, there's presents all day." And presents so, all day. Who are these people? Just what, gift do you have givers. To, do you have to give them presents? Or do yeah, they just yeah. Give- I had gifts to give as well, but then, uh, <sighs> but then they have this tradition in like Casmont. You know those little um, nano blocks? They're like tiny Lego. Oh yeah, yep. I know exactly so, what you're talking about. So then, so we have a competition. And so everyone has to build, finish building their nano box. So that's a present in itself. Yes, you get that, and you have to build that, and then the, and then it's like you have a, a competition, so you can build it the first, build it quickest, and then that person gets to open up their present next, and then you all get to open your presents anyway. I don't know why it's a competition, but you get to pick, and then and then there's other challenges throughout the day. Can I come to Cat's yeah. Christmas yeah, this year? It's the best. Oh. It's the bloody best. <laughs> Hot. 
Brown Honey is a show that's on the Arts Centre from tonight until the 11th December. We're joined in the Breakfast Studio by one of the cast, Ofa Foti. Thanks so much for coming. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I it's wish viewers could, wish listeners could actually see that is a spectacular costume that you were well, wearing. Well, thank you. I thought I'd get the memo and dress like a human highlighter this morning. <laughs> so, you know, doing my best. <laughs> I read somewhere that Hot Brown Honey came out of uh, not of not seeing people who looked like you on the stage or screen and trying to create a space to challenge that. Would that be a fair summary? Where ah, it came from? Yes, but it's totally bang on. It's um, it's really important to see self-representation if you feel like you want to be encouraged and empowered to be able to be in an industry, in any industry, in business. If you want to like succeed, you want to see somebody that you can you can relate to and say it's exactly the same with the creative uh, industry that we're all in. So um, if we go down to the Arts Centre tonight, what will we actually see? Uh, a theatrical explosion for all of your senses. <laughs> Eye holes, ear holes, the whole, all the the holes. whole gamut. Yeah, <laughs> all the holes. <laughs> I've seen you guys do – I haven't seen your show and I'm really pumped because I really want to go and see it because every spot that I've seen you do at various different gigs and stuff, it has always been the most inspirational, awe-inspiring, powerful piece and it just gets me so excited to so to be able to see a whole show is really exciting. Um, is that is that your aim? I guess is to just create, you know, be powerful and yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely about what Jeff was saying is like sharing our story, our individual stories, or a story as people who. Um, you know, it's not a forgiving industry that we've chosen to be in, but it's really important as, you know, Australians, you you watch Home and Away, you watch Neighbours, you watch these shows and you're just like, oh, where am, where am I in this? Mm. Guy? Can I live this life? Can I? I don't know. But it seemed to be a life that all of my mates could relate to, but unfortunately not, not me. So... Uh, you know, initially the, the stories are individual like uh, struggles or ways that we flipped flip these ideas of stereotypes that are placed upon us. Um, but then uh, towards the end, it's, it's actually about, it's challenging everybody. Like what what is it that makes you feel powerful? Like what do you want to see? Oh, you've got, uh, like myself, I wear a swimsuit, believe it or not, <gasps> in wow. the, the end of the show. Um, and it's just, it was a challenge for myself individually, but it's like, well, I've got to say something even bigger for everybody else, as big as my luscious beautiful bottom <laughs> um <laughs> you know so it's it's about self-love self-care and it's also about you know we need to do this if we're going to progress and help this world change well we've got to do it together do you think but, there's yeah. any artists who are who are doing this as well that you've kind of looked to and gone you're doing this really well and we kind of want to so be there many with you? yeah so many so many and i think that um I don't know that we often get an opportunity where we get to say it so boldly and mm. so upfront. Um, and it's a bit much, like it is a bit much for some people, but I think we're all, we're, we've kind of had enough of time to be able to think, oh, you know, you know what, blackface isn't good. It's not, it's not, it's not a thing that anybody should be doing. And mm. you should just say no. There's no grey area about it. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of coming out and saying, well, it just, just no. And this, these are the things that we should say yes to, you know, uh, body empowerment, like um, 
believing in uh, what you have to say and that um, your opinions can be heard and you can and you share a voice for those who don't have a voice. But I think the difference is you, you um, have these really great messages that, that come across, but you do it in such an entertaining way. <laughs> it is phenomenal. The yeah. stuff that you come up with. Is that hard with? to kind of be like, we're going to get this message across, but we want you to have a lot of fun and we want it to be funny and, you know. It is It is hard, but I think that the way in which um, Busty Beats and Lisa Fight Life you have put the show together um, really, really just inspires people because that's it's the only way we can deal with some of these serious things is laugh, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that's if that's one language that everybody can understand is humour or things that are funny and find, uh, rela- can relate to each other, then, then we, should do, we should talk about serious things and make them funny at the same time as best we can. So, um, all, oh no, go. so all the performers <laughs> on the stage, they're all women of colour from different... Um, backgrounds? Backgrounds? Yeah, yeah. So heritage-wise, um, so I'm, I'm Australian-born, uh, but my heritage is from Tonga. Uh, uh, Busty is um, African-Australian uh, uh, with also Southeast Asian in her heritage. Uh, Lisa is Samoan-Australian, so she has a Australian mother and a Samoan father. Uh, we have uh, Crystal who is... Uh, Indonesian, Chinese, Australian. We have uh, a Gamilaroi uh, woman, uh, so Indigenous, uh, beautiful stunner um, called Janita Duncan, who's our dancer. And then Hope, Hope, Hope One is our beatboxer, and she is um, uh, Maori. So, wow. yes, yeah, quite a mix going on. <laughs> Sarah and I went to see uh, Hannibal Buress's show on the weekend. We ah, talking, sweet. Yeah, yeah. We were talking afterwards, though. Um, both he and uh, his, his warm-up performer spoke about the whiteness <laughs> of, of, of the crowd and sort of being a bit <laughs> aghast at how white it was. You've taken this show overseas. Is it very different putting it on, say, in the UK where you maybe expect a more diverse audience than here in Australia? Um, but, you know, whiteness is the same everywhere, don't you know? that? No, just <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 interesting. Like the culture in which we were uh, welcomed into over there has, especially in Edinburgh, like you have women who aren't afraid to. The Scottish women are fierce as, um, yeah. so this culture of seeing women who are like who are clearly able and willing to say whatever they want, um, however they want, and and others respond and receive that in a really good way. I think that um, when we sometimes present ourselves here, uh, people see us as, you know, angry black women or brown women or all of these things. And um, I think over there, there's just a, a different way that people respond to that kind of energy. Mm. Whereas here, it's it's almost um, sometimes we, we feel like... It, uh, the you know, the male audience might come to our show and just say, think that we're just kind of angry women (laughs) Um, and we are we are we are that too but there's like a a flip side of that that that's one hour of our life but it's it's not how we are all the time Um, so the the responses of the audience over there was like amazing amazing like we just have these really big I had this guy who was a a carpenter (laughs) and he was just like you know what and I'm really bad with Scottish accents. <laughs> Give it yeah, a it's shot. just like <laughs> you, you, you. That was really good because, but I was holding my breath, like, oh, this, this guy. Like, where's say this going to go? Yeah, where yeah. is it going to go? But he was just like, that was amazing. I'm so <laughs> glad I brought my son. I'm so glad oh. I brought my daughter. Um, and so you know, this, this, 
totally surprising. And what a great you, response. Yeah, but I think that's the thing. You can't ever you can't ever expect an audience to receive it the same way all the time. Mm. Um, some of the issues that we talk about are, are hard to deal with some, for some people. Mm. Um, but, you know, hopefully that they know that it's the beginning of a discussion that can happen. So they can take it away, take it or leave it as they want to, but we charge the audience with the accountability to start talking about some of the issues we talk about. I have read that... Um you, wherever you go, you invite talented brown women to come up and join. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Any special guests tonight that you can tell us about? Um, unfortunately, the format that we have uh, in in this in, at the Arts Centre, well, don't get me wrong, it's an amazing format, which is us presenting our show. Um, but when we go, get to visit and we host a thing called our block party, we invite um, other performers to come. We find, we seek out anyone we can to come and perform with us because um, that's what the platform is about. It's about, like you said, putting other women of colour on stage, front and centre, taking the lead, taking charge. Uh, and so we'd like to provide that opportunity when we can. But tonight we're just, um, we're being the guests out at um, <laughs> section eight, and it's it's really nice that other people are kind of kind of linking us to these different communities. And tonight's the hip hop community, and we're so excited with Ms. Risk. So it's going to be a great. Oh, time. sweet! Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love so it. The show is Hot Brown Honey. It's on the Art Centre starting tonight and running till the 11th of December. We'll be talking to one of the cast members of Fo Two. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Time to talk media today. To help us talk about the media, we're joined by a special guest. Amy Mullins is the Executive Director of the Women's Leadership Institute Australia. They've just released a new report showing that women are significantly underrepresented in the Australian news print media. So to discuss that and other questions, welcome Amy Mullins. Hey, how's it going? It's going very well, thank you. <laughs> Let's start by a simple question. What is the Women's Leadership Institute? Why have you produced this report? Well, the Women's Leadership Institute is a not-for-profit. Uh, it's independently funded. And uh, we look at a whole range of issues that we think don't get looked at. Um, and one of the ones that we've worked on for quite a while, uh, actually since 2012, is women in the media. And not uh, necessarily women journalists, but women who are quoted as experts and interviewed as guests in the media. So um, we've known and, it, you know, it's worldwide well, that this is the case, that women aren't um, quoted or featured as thought leaders as much as men. Um, and the trends are pretty much the same, um, but they do vary. And uh, so we have produced reports in the past around the research and in newspapers in particular. Um, and that's because, you know, you can actually flick through a newspaper and, um, you know, count the numbers and, uh, you know, that's where they've deemed the most important stories are as opposed to online where it's, you know, they're just constantly updated with new pieces. So that's one of the things that we focused on. And then we created a database um, of female leaders so that journalists actually had access to these women so that we uh, couldn't have a legitimate excuse to say we can't find the women, they don't exist or we couldn't get in touch. Okay, the big takeaway from this report, nearly 80% of experts quoted in the print media are male. Does that Did that surprise you? No, <laughs> but that's just because, probably because I had known this for a while, yeah, and we've been working on it for how, so long. How has it compared in the last five years? 
Uh, well, it's pretty much been the same, actually. The last one, it was 20%. Um, this one's 21%. 21% women. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and I mean, the last one we did, it was one week of data and this is three weeks and it was all done manually by a human uh, who went through all those articles. So, it's very rigorous in that sense um, and it, we have a lot more detail in this particular report because we wanted to absolutely show where all of the various inequities are. But yeah, it's 21% in this report is the magic number uh, because that's where pretty much all of the, the women end up lying in the overall numbers. When you get a number like that, what are you thinking the reason is for that? Like, do you start to then kind of dissect it further? Yeah, well, I mean, we work with women and journalists a lot on this issue. So I, I get to hear a whole range of reasons as to why they think um, it's unequal. Um, and some of the reasons that uh, media have told us uh, they think it's unequal is because, um, you know, well, some of the people in those roles are men and I had to speak to them, uh, which is sometimes true. Um, and then there are other ones like, oh, women just don't want to say yes or, you know, they want to answer my call or um, they're not interested in promoting themselves. Um, which I don't find that convincing. Um, the women that we work with are very forthcoming and confident and don't have any issues there. Uh, but in, in terms of a male-dominated um, industries that these women tend to work in, it is a hostile environment. Um, often there's a lot of subtle unconscious bias and sexism that uh, a lot of people wouldn't realise is occurring. And that's often why women, if they are hesitant at all, will be hesitant because when they uh, start stick their neck out and have an opinion on something, uh, it's often they'll get more criticism for it than a male would. Uh, and if they're being confident um, and uh, having expert opinions and voices, they can often come across as uh, too arrogant or too confident. Interesting spread of issues in which uh, women are quoted more and less. They seem to be most quoted in articles on business finance. Uh, sorry, least quoted in business and finance, most quoted in articles on health, education and social issues. Pretty obvious set of gender roles there, isn't there? Very, very obvious. Yeah, there was actually none where we went, oh, great, because it got to 50-50. We didn't even get there. So in the social issues, it was 39% female. In health, it was 41 So even in those um, what's sometimes called pink-collar roles or areas, uh, women still aren't even equal there. So we really have a long way to go. Business was 13% and finance 14%. But I think what's most troubling is the business and politics because that's where the public debate um, lies around policy. And when we make uh, national decisions about key issues relating to policy, if women aren't part of those influencing discussions and giving their views, then we really aren't getting the best um, diverse discussions and outcomes from them. Mm. Um, the papers with the lowest proportion of women quoted aren't perhaps that surprising. Australian Financial Review business paper, the Australian uh, paper of old curmudgeons. But the, pa the papers that have the most proportion of women quoted are quite surprising. The Herald Sun and the Daily Telegraph, two Murdoch tabloids, have the highest percentage of women. How do we explain that? Yeah, well, <laughs> it was surprising but not so surprising um, when you go through the papers in those and this just so everyone knows um, we looked at the general news section so that's the first area or section of the paper before you get to the world section so it's all the kind of current affairs 
um, topical news. And then we looked at business, finance and the opinion section. And uh, what they tend to cover is a whole range of issues. They, they covered a lot more crime. Um, they covered more social issues, uh, more entertainment issues in the front part of the paper. Um, so in that case, there were more women talking about those issues. And in particular, if you look in what women speak about most and the keywords and topics relating to that, it was actually children, uh, foreign policy, China, and those two were mainly attributed to Julie Bishop. And then you went down to uh, murder... <laughs> yeah, it's upsetting in itself. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Because she was the top. I think she was the top. Yeah, individual spoke like female right. source, and then uh, you get from foreign policy down to murder and Nauru. So murder. Yeah, and that's because in those crime uh, kind of articles, which are relating to um, family violence, to yeah, rape, kidnapping, um, all of those areas, it was women who were either quoted um, from the dead or were uh, quoted as relatives of family members who had died um, or were quoted yeah, as in their mother capacity. So in that sense, that doesn't um, explain all of it because they actually did do exceptionally well in business and finance as well in those areas. So um, it's certainly not just because the topics were more related to what women were saying overall, but actually, um, yeah, they, they tend to do better and they were doing better in op-eds too. So um, I think we need to have a hard look at ourselves Really? <laughs> I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there was quite a disparity between women that were writing op-eds as well compared to men. Is that correct? Because yes. that kind of shocked me quite a lot, given it's not there's not a specialised agenda. When you're writing an op-ed, anyone can write an op-ed about anything, really. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so it was overall for op-eds, it was 28% female. Um, and the most written about topics were around politics and that went also back to 21%. So, you know, it was 21% overall for all quoted uh, people in the newspapers, then 21% for women writing about politics in the op-ed section. And then when you looked at the breakdown of those politics op-eds, you had, uh, what was it, 5% guests writing about politics who were female. So that guests mean CEO of this not-for-profit or this lobby group mm. or, um, you know, uh, Kelly O'Dwyer, who's an assistant treasurer at the time. Those are the guests and the others are the columnists. So they're the Laura Tingles and the um, Samantha Hutchinson. So, like, there are lots of um, issues with that because that just means that the columnists are employed they, they work for the paper. So that's their job to write um, op-eds or to write commentary. And uh, so really, if you're not getting these women from outside who are getting the opportunity to write about a whole range of issues, again, you're still not getting the influencing that you should be having from all parts of society. Um, and yeah, I just guess that it's... It, it really is... It's shocking, but it's not shocking. And I think we need to start actually taking action. That's why we have this back part of the booklet, which is saying, yes, um, it's really hard sometimes to make sure that you're um, being inclusive and consciously doing so, but there are strategies you can take and people have actually achieved it. And one of the shows that did achieve it and we worked with um, was John Fain's show. They said, actually, enough is enough. We absolutely have to represent society. Um, we have to represent our listeners who are actually more female than male. Um, so they actually got to 50-50 in six months. Six months? Yeah. But what what are some of the steps that they did to take that? Because, uh, you know, you hear a lot of, oh, I tried, but they weren't available. And it, um, 
Like what's the next step after that? Yeah, well, uh, one of them was to set a target and to say it's not aspirational, it's an, a non-negotiable target. Mm. And then they, what they did actually was to measure uh, their progress. So they constantly had a tally every day of all the guests that they had on and their gender. And they'd, um, you know, periodically send me their stats to keep themselves accountable. Um, and they'd also engage me and say, Amy, um, what women should I be contacting on this topic when they didn't know a woman in that area? They used our database. They looked far and wide. They asked other um, guests who they think would be good. And what they had to do when it came to inviting women, some women were a little bit... um, not as forthcoming because they don't usually go on media and it's not a common thing for them to do. But once they'd actually gotten past the, oh, I'm not sure if I'm qualified for that, um, they actually really enjoyed it and came back for more. So it's really about um, sometimes you need a tiny bit of coaxing. uh, But yeah, it's just because obviously if we've only got 20% women um, commenting in the media, they don't have as much experience commenting and they need a little bit of more of a push to get out there. So yeah, there are plenty of strategies, but it's really setting a target, measuring it, making sure you're transparent and accountable and reporting them and then actually publicising and celebrating when you are getting to 50-50 because actually now we've seen other shows who are working towards that same goal now. So it's really important for role modelling as well. Uh, the report is out now. You can access it online. We've been talking to one of the people behind it, Amy Mullins, the Executive Director of Women's Leadership Institute Australia. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks for having me. You're listening to Breakfasters on Triple R. Hey, guys, almost as soon as we're off air, we're all going travelling. Oh, we are in some form or another. Some form or another. Travelling yes. is maybe a bit... Grandiose, but you guys are going down to Earth and I'm going up to Sydney. Mm -hmm. I just thought I'd give you this little story about travelling in style. You know, Trump's been going on about um, the money that's being spent on Air Force One, the presidential jet. Yeah. AVC's got a little story about all the things that this plane can do. And I tell you what, I want one. Is there only one Air Force One? No, there's two. Ah. There's two. Is it Air Force One and Air Force Two? Air Force One and Air Force One and a Half. Oh, really? No. Okay. I've never heard about one one A. But uh, okay, so firstly, it can be refueled in the air so it doesn't have to land. So, how do they do that? Do they have a plane come alongside? What movie is that? What movie is that? No, that's not a thing that happens, is it? Yeah, Yeah, it's got a In speed? Because I felt like that happened in speed because you'd have to fill up the bus. No, but yeah, in the plane, plane, isn't there yeah. a, there is a movie where the plane they come alongside and they have a they have maybe to fly. Maybe the movie is Air Force One. Oh yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, it's got a special <laughs> fuel cap Air on its Force nose, so a second plane can sort of you hook know, in. Is hook that in. so? If there's emergency and, the, and yep. the president has to keep doing laps, I say can technically can stay in the air indefinitely. Oh my god, they could rule from the sky. Yeah. So, um, so that's pretty cool. It can go. It's really fast. It can go nearly the speed of sound. Apparently, on September 11, when they were up, they mobilised it. The F-16 fighter planes that were escorting it had to keep telling it to slow down. <gasps> oh, my gosh. It's got its own surgery equipped with the president's blood type in a refrigerator. It's got two kitchens and it can cater for 100 people at a time. What? Get out, 100 people. At a time. I didn't think it, that many people would get in that plane. Yeah, it? no, it's like a it's a modified 747, so it's, it's big. Oh. Um, it's got a shower. It's got a situation room, which is like the big 
command room where, you know, you shout she out. goes all. down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she gets real. Uh, there's a press room. The president can even deliver a national television address from its video teleconferencing system and then get this. It's They don't say exactly what it's made of, but they say it's got the ability to function as a de facto bunker in the event of a nuclear attack. What does that even mean? How can you be a bunker <laughs> in the got air? no idea. But I guess you can just land it and then, you know, instead of going underground or whatever, you just Do you know hide. what this makes me think? That aliens exist. How does it make you think because that? Because yeah, I just feel like link? I've never seen this technology in any other capacity in my life. Yeah, well, But see, it all exists on one American plane <laughs> for the president. I'm going to be flying up to Sydney on, oh, like, sweet. Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't think my tiger plane is going to have that. No. Um, oh, yeah, and it's um, it never parks at the terminal, so it just lands wherever it stays. It's just stays and you, at, have, you have to jump and roll off. Well, no, like they, <laughs> the red carpet people come. And, so um, pretty cool, though, isn't it? That is so cool. It makes me want to think of um, makes me think of all the things that you would want on your plane. Oh. What would you have? If you bowling had... alley. Oh, and that'd be cool. A bowling alley yeah. down the side, down the. Fr- That'd be rad. Just like a bit tricky in turbulence. <laughs> that would just make it interesting. Yeah. Bumpers up, please. <laughs> turbulence is happening. Bumpers up. Bumpers down. What about you guys? Oh, mate, I have a list <clears throat> that I've been working on in my head and then writing down. Leg room, <laughs> leg room, always leg room and a bed. It goes with that saying, that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, but then... Fun things like Lego. I'd like to build some Lego while I'm flying. That'd be fun. Oh, yes. I feel like that's the kind of thing Trump will probably request. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Leg room and Lego. A, um, a treadmill just because if you oh, want to yeah. go for a walk. But you, if, it's like, if it's so big, you don't need a treadmill. You could just like wander around the plane, you know. Okay, you could cool. do your steps you could do along. that. Yeah. I'd like a laundry service. A oh, laundry service would be nice. Oh, a laundry yeah. chute. Yes, oh. that'd be fun. Mm. Also, I don't want a menu. I don't want a menu. I don't want to make any decisions just while I'm on the flight. I want food just to come to me. Yep, I, I like that. I sit there and they go, excuse me, madam, it's time to eat. I go, okay, thank you. Oh. And then 10 minutes later they go, excuse me, it's dessert time. I go, okay, thank you. I'd like the menu. Cause but also I would like, um, oh, you like, sorry, you like the no, menu. No, no, it's just because you're bored on a plane and they bring it out and you've got something to Mate, think about. For you are not going to be bored on Air Force One. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. No, There's a bowling alley. Bowling alleys. <laughs> bowling alleys, Lego. Also, um, just for fun, a frozen yogurt machine because that's oh. just going to help yourself whenever you want. Oh, yes. And I feel like, you know, when you're in a plane and all you want is coldness, mm. perfect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also some meerkats to look at. <laughs> feel like that could go wrong, meerkats on a plane. Yeah. But you know how, like, at the... What if they got... <laughs> they should be popping their little heads up. Yeah. What they... if they got into the electrics? Well, no, they do have their little enclosure. I'm thinking along... I don't think you'd know... just be running free. <laughs> At the um, <laughs> there's a meerkat in the situation room. <laughs> in at the children's hospital, they have a meerkat enclosure, oh, yes. so it just makes you feel good looking at meerkats. Um, but that might not be good for them. Um, <laughs> and also, I'd like a, a secret passage. Um, <laughs> so where does it go? Uh, that's when when you exit, you press a button and a, the, <laughs> you exit behind a bookshelf, <laughs> and then behind that. Is uh, never never stairs to get out. Always a giant slide. Oh my god, slides! Yeah. So the Forever president's plane plane lands instead of coming down those big steps. He just jumps down a water yeah, slide. Yeah. <laughs> Always a slide. Yeah, but imagine every time you said something important in the situation room, he just walked through a, 
a bookshelf instead of a door. It'd be so much more dramatic. <laughs> be like a James Bond. Yeah, movie. yeah. Nuke the world. I'm adding Jumping Castle as well. <sighs> That'd be fun. Imagine the Jumping Castle in turbulence. I wouldn't be complaining about that. <laughs> It'd make turbulence fun. It'd be the only time that turbulence would be good. They'd say, do up your belt. You'd be like, no, I'm going to the jumping castle. I'm just going to fly around. I'm a fan of turbulence. <laughs> no one. Too much. You get out. No yeah, one's a fan no, of turbulence. Oh, man, I hate what? it so much. What are you talking about? It's fun. <laughs> Put your hands in the air. Fun. <laughs> Not too much, though. Not, Not too, too much. much. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.